30, Lamar Jackson. Got out of the wimpy sack. Keeps it alive. And swings it in the air. It is brought in by Lightly at the five. God, look at this light. It's ridiculous. Coming over here. Okay, you got a sack, right? Uh, no problem. I, I missed him. I'm going to go get him again. Get him again. No, just throw it up in the air. And then let's have Lightly go between two guys. We get it. Lamar Jackson is a cheat code that not every other NFL team has at their disposal. But what we do have about pretty much every team 15 weeks into the NFL season are questions. Big picture questions like who is going to get the bye weeks in each conference and what do they mean? And specific questions like who are the Cowboys? And for that matter, who are the Bills? So today... Kevin Clark joins the show to give us some answers and explain how what he saw sets up the push to the postseason. I'm Clinton Yates, kiddos. It's Monday, December 18th. This is ESPN Daily. Kevin Clark, it seems like no matter where we go, we end up speaking to each other inside of these tiny little boxes. Thank you for joining us, sir. I'm so excited to be here, buddy. Let's jump right into what we just saw. This Ravens to Jaguars game that Baltimore won 23 to seven. Perhaps I'm guilty of a bit of recency bias here, but this game felt like a Lamar Jackson showcase more than anything else. What were your thoughts when the final whistle blew on this one? The Ravens are who we thought they were. This is them rounding into their final form. Uh, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, came up from Georgia, and he's given Lamar more options. Um, I think the Greg Roman offense which at one point was absolutely stunning, Um, obviously in Lamar's MVP year. um, I don't think it's what Lamar needed at this point. The deep ball had started to fade over the past couple of years, and now all of a sudden Munkin comes in, marry that with players like Zay Flowers. Obviously, we saw the throw to Isaiah Likely. Um, We're starting to see what this team is going to like in January. So you mentioned the showcase. Like I think a game like this reminds everybody – if you don't know, um, what Lamar Jackson is capable of, how he gets out of sacks, how he gets out of sacks and then makes one of the best throws you've ever seen. Um, It's just incredible to have that reminder because I think the NFL moves so quickly that sometimes we shut the door on these narratives too quickly. Lamar Jackson is here. He's as good as he's ever been. And you sort of see that on a night like tonight. You know, playing against Lamar and the Ravens is such a battle of attrition. The defense, stingy. Lamar just finds a way to extend plays and drives. It's obvious that he's evolved as a thrower, but also as a leader of this offense. You mentioned what you thought might have been part of his evolution and what's behind this next step, but how do you think that's now affecting other teams' ability to defend this offense? So I'll say a funny story. Years ago, I was talking to a high school coach who defended Lamar Jackson, coach against Lamar Jackson in Florida. And he said that Lamar Jackson put a beating on his team that was so severe that he was looking in the mirror at himself and saying, what am I not doing uh, for my young men? How am I failing my young men? He went into a little bit of a professional funk. And then fast forward, he's doing the same thing to Florida State. He's doing the same thing to Clemson. He's doing the same thing to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. And he now he was like, hey, I could be an NFL coach. Like I did just as good as they are. Like it is almost (laughs) defense proof what he is at at his peak. And I remember being in the Ravens locker room during his MVP year, and some of the 
tight ends and the linemen were talking about the reaction that he can get when he's really rolling. And the linemen will just look at their the linebacker, excuse me, will look at their their, their sideline and say, "What do I do?" And the coaches say, "I don't know. What the hell do you want me to do?" And I think that at his peak, um, I think in his MVP year, he was the fastest quarterback in football by speed at the line of scrimmage, and he was the most efficient passer in football. Um, he's built on that. There have been ebbs and flows. It hasn't always been perfect. He has um, extreme lulls in games. We've seen it in the playoffs before. That's going to happen. Um, but I think at his peak, I, I think only Mahomes has a higher ceiling. Um, and I, I don't know who else you would have that in that conversation. And so if this is, and listen, I'm not saying they're, you know, they scored 24 points tonight. Um, they, they, it's not like they scored 50 or anything like that. Um, but it is the type of team that if they get the one seed, if they get the buy in a very, very weird AFC with teams like the Bills and the Browns lurking, there could be some upsets. This game in two weeks against the Dolphins is massive, but Lamar Jackson's evolution just as a player, all-around player, is one of the stories of the season. The Jaguars could not get out of their own way on Sunday night. Yeah. When you look at the first half, for example, two missed field goals. Could have had a penalty on one of those, by the by. Trevor Lawrence fumbling, trying to scramble while in field goal range, and then them inexplicably trying to run a play instead of clocking it in the closing seconds of the first half. Can you see them making a run in this postseason if they're still making these kinds of preseason-type mistakes? I'll, I'll go further. At this point in the evolution, this point in the roster, Construction at this point in Trevor Lawrence's career, they should not be in a three-way tie for the AFC South. They should be running away with the division. Um, the end-of-half execution was astounding, but I would also put that more on the players. Like, if you don't have any timeouts and there's only a couple of seconds left in the half and you have the ball in bounds or you're throwing the ball in Trevor Lawrence's case – the only thing you should be thinking about is stopping the clock. The clock turns. Trevor's going to get him lined up here. 15 seconds. Shotgun formation. 12. They drop the throw. Trevor looks. Fires left side of the ball. going to be caught, but he's tackled inbounds. Six seconds to play. They tackle Parker Washington inbounds. Two seconds. One. They will not get a snap off. They will not get a snap off. And that is how the half will end. I mean, if I was the receiver, I might have batted the ball down just to to to, to live another day. Um, that was that was uh, mind boggling. Um, beyond that, this team just doesn't look like it's ready to hang in in the AFC. Um, I don't know if that's a roster thing. I don't know if that's a Doug Peterson thing. Doug Peterson had the best coaching job I've ever seen in my life, literally um, in any sport. Maybe getting Nick Foles ready. Uh, to 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 win that Super Bowl and basically had a, had a mini training camp during the bye. All respect to him. Um, but something is disjointed, Clinton, when this type of team with this young a quarterback uh, is in a three-way tie with two teams that are much worse than them in the division. Baffling is a perfect word there for that decision. <laughs> could not believe what I was looking at. For the Ravens and Lamar, the stage just keeps getting bigger. You mentioned this game against Miami in a couple of weeks. Next week, the Ravens travel out west to face the 49ers on Christmas night. What do you think we will know about Baltimore's final form after those two games? Man, um, I think that it's almost like it's funny because I, I was talking about this this week. But, you know, in the NFL, it's not like college where you have a committee, but you almost have these quarterfinals, right? And going against Miami in two weeks, basically for the bye, if everything shakes out correctly, is a type of pre-playoff game that is going to be so fascinating to see, not just for the one seed, but also just how do these guys stack up. 
The Niners, to me, is that type of game. Um, they're going to want to play very similar ways. It's going to be trench warfare, I would say. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, obviously the Ravens have the playoffs locked up. I'm actually excited to see their run into the season and see and see what this looks like because I like seeing. I, I said this earlier in the show, but like only Mahomes has a higher ceiling. And like, I just don't seeing him in those situations against the Niners defense, trying to outwit uh, Fred Warner um, going against a, a, a pass rush in Miami with some absolute dogs there. Um, so putting Lamar in those situations is what you want as a football fan. You want to see it. He's so good. He knows how to use guys deceleration against them. He knows where to go in the pocket. He almost has, I mean, sixth sense is almost shortchanging. It's the seventh and eighth sense at this point. Um, figuring out where to go when he's in the pocket. Um, so I, I want to see that against the best teams in the NFL. And guess what? We get it. Closest thing we've got to a Jedi playing quarterback in the league. <laughs> the other team in the mix, Kevin, at the top of the AFC playoff picture is, of course, the Miami Dolphins. They annihilated the Jets today in Miami, 30 zapped. And this is what we've seen from the Dolphins all year. They bullied the weaker teams in the league, but have struggled against the cream of the crop. They'll get Dallas next week. They have a head-to-head with the Ravens coming. Are they for real when it comes to the one seed in the AFC? Yeah, they're for real because they have the ingredients of an elite team. And I, I hate you. I know that's a banned term on Around the Horn, um, <laughs> but they have a genuine pass rush, genuine depth at that position, even after Jalen Phillips goes down. They have Tua Tagovailoa who can reliably hit the deep shots, even without Tyreek Hill, and they dominate weaker teams. I am of the opinion that going against great teams during the regular season, that's a little bit overrated to me. Everybody struggles against good teams. That's why they're good teams. If a team went 5-0, and 6-0 and against good teams, it's because they're playing college football and, and, and not pro football. That's just the way this league works. And so I never really worry about that stuff unless there's some sort of glaring error. And I don't see it with this team. Um, you know, Tua had, he had a, a throw to, to Jalen Wild today, hit him perfectly in stride that went 50 yards in the air. Mm. To a tongue of Iloa, perfect so far. Deep shot left sideline for Jalen Waddle. It has caught touchdown. A 60-yard scoring strike from Tongue of Iloa to Waddle to open things up in Miami. No Tyree kill, no problem. And that was only his seventh, seventh furthest trash completion this year, according to NFL Network and Next Gen Stats. That is unbelievable. He is reliably pushing the ball down the field. Um, At at this point, it's sustainable. um, And I just just love the makeup of this team. How important do you think home field is to the Dolphins versus some of these other teams in the AFC? Is this a show that travels? Do you think this is important to this collection of guys? I don't know if it's any more or less important than some of the other teams. Um, I don't think the weather is going to matter that much. I mean, I'm from Florida, Clinton, and like, I understand the heat and the ability. My wife, my wife can't run if it's over 90 degrees. I can't run if it's under 90 degrees. Um, (laughs) I understand sort of being programmed like that, but in January and February doesn't necessarily matter. I don't think it's that big of a difference. Um, Playing at home is an advantage, but I, I don't think it's something um, that they have to have. I don't think think Miami is some sort of fortress uh, where it's going to make any huge difference that, than than any other team in the AFC. You'd like to have it. I think the biggest thing is the buy. Obviously, that's why you want the number one seed in the conference is the buy rest up, especially if Tyreek Hill is going to have his ankle injury. Um, but I don't think that that they you know that whoever gets the the home field is going to win. Uh, that's not really how the playoffs works anymore. Hard Rock Stadium. 
full of softies, apparently, according to KC. Coming up, <laughs> the Cowboys and Bills face off in Orchard Park. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Okay, Kevin, let's check out the scene in Buffalo today where the Bills not only beat the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they won pretty convincingly, 31-10. The Cowboys have been on a heater recently, so this was a shock to me. What happened out there on Sunday? The Cowboys got bullied. This was... Uh, at every single level, a complete disaster. And it <laughs> makes me wonder what the identity of this Cowboys team is. I don't want to overreact to one afternoon, but the one thing you always know about the Cowboys is the offensive line is going to be good and the front seven is going to be good. That's how Jerry Jones builds his team. And I thought coming into this game, and I said it a couple times on TV, if this was a wind game and this was a weather game, and by the way, I don't, I don't think the weather had that much to do with everything today, but if this was a wind game, it would be a line of scrimmage game and that would favor the Cowboys. All of a sudden, Ken Dorsey gets fired. Uh, Joe Brady, who I thought was inexperienced as a, as a play caller. He had the one year in Carolina before that. He was co-OC with LSU. He comes in and he turns James Cook into an absolute elite weapon. Um, I am stunned. It gives that Bills offense a new dimension, especially in the passing game. Because the thing about Josh Allen is he makes mistakes when he's trying to do too much. That's something that the, the Bills have told me over and over again when he's trying to put the team on his back. If James Cook, the running back, can be a safety valve for him that not only can catch passes when he's in trouble, but generate positive yardage all the time. If he can do that reliably, it changes the entire complexion of the Bills offense. That's what we saw today. Going into basically garbage time, so the first three quarters, the Bills called a run on 69% of their plays. That is unbelievable. By far, that's the highest rate of the Josh Allen era. And they never had to get away from it. I, I think, I mean, I, it's unbelievable the numbers Josh Allen put up, um, but it's also unbelievable the, the numbers uh, James Cook put up. Here's the snap. Give us to Cook. Goes behind Dawkins through a hole. Down to the 10, the 5, and he into the end zone. James Cook with his second touchdown of the game. One receiving, one rushing. It is a blowout here in Orchard Park as the Cook has found the kitchen for the second time tonight. I think he had like the some of the, one of the best performances ever against any Cowboys team. Um, he obviously set personal records. Um, I did not see this coming, but this is the type of team you do not want to face in January. If it's Josh Allen, if it's this team, if it's a team that can get a pass rush, that was another concern. I mean, this was an aging old veteran roster and all of a sudden Leonard Floyd is getting after the quarterback. Um, I just didn't see this bills team coming. And more importantly, I didn't see this Cowboys team coming. We'll get to what the Bills look like out there today, but moving back to the Cowboys, Dak Prescott has been in MVP conversations over the course of this season. Much of the discourse last week was about how he'd taken the lead in the race. But then you see a performance like this, 134 yards and a pick. 
We try to save the hot takes for the morning shows, but what's the takeaway here? We <laughs> we get too excited. Um, I think that's a sh- that's a short version of it. Um, listen, it, the, the NFL is going to have you're going to have weird weeks sometimes. But Dak looked a little bit lost out there. Obviously, injuries uh, to to the offensive line probably played a factor in it. Um, but they got they got bullied today, um, and and Dak was uh, under fire the entire day. He wasn't completing passes. Um, this was just not the team we'd grown accustomed to seeing over the past five weeks. I don't know if they were ever as good as maybe we thought. Um, I remember Mike McCarthy, I just still don't believe is one of the best coaches in football. He was out recently with a medical issue. um, So he missed some practice time. Maybe that had something to do with this, but this is again, in totality, this is about talent. And when I, what I saw on Sunday was a bills team that one through 46, the guys who dressed um, had more talent on Sunday than, than Dallas. And I think that, that showed over and over and over again. I don't see any area where the Cowboys had an edge on Sunday. Okay, so the Cowboys should probably burn this tape, but for the Bills, this is what we've been looking for all season long in Orchard Park, at least on the scoreboard. Is it weird to say that Josh Allen, by the by, only threw for 95 yards all day? I mean, if Josh Allen is a passenger in a huge win over an NFC contender, that's a pretty good afternoon. That's what I think that everybody talks about wanting to play their best football in December and January. And I always think that's a little bit uh, accidental. I think I think it's really hard for you to try to figure out how to not play well in September and October <laughs> and peak in January. But what I do think is really good teams are able to, to find identities and evolve as the season goes along. I've talked to a bunch of players. I had Mitch Schwartz on, on my show a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how um, during the last Alex Smith year in Kansas City, that basically the Chiefs were able to find a deep ball as the season went along until, until they were playing their best uh, football in December. And I think that that's probably what good teams understand. And right now what happens with James Cook is that this is a weapon and a scheme and an edge that they can unveil not only for the next couple of weeks, but in January. Um, I don't know who wants to play this team, especially when you look at the next couple of, uh, of you know, obviously the, the bottom half of the AFC bracket, which I think we're going to get to in a little bit. It's all backup quarterbacks. Now you're inserting Josh Allen, an elite weapon at running back. Stephon Diggs made a one-handed catch. Like this is, this has the makings to be special stuff. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> All right, Buffalo moves right into the middle of one of the craziest playoff pictures we've seen in years. We got four teams in the AFC at eight and six, including the Bengals, mm-hmm. who you picked to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's to say nothing of the Steelers and the Broncos who are at seven and seven. What's got your eye when you look at that bottom rung of the AFC playoff hunt? What's got my eye is burning every single trace of me picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's got my eye. Um, no, that was in September. Obviously, I had my reasons for that. I thought Joe Burrow, especially if he was able to go over the calf injury, special things could have happened because of that coaching staff, because of the receivers. Sure. Like once T. Higgins leaves, we'll understand kind of how special this roster was if they had a healthy quarterback. I do not think the Bengals with, with Browning are going to make much noise. Um, I'm hugely... Uh, respectful of what they've been able to do. And I think that, you know, one of the things, I think I saw Jay Gruden say this a couple weeks on Twitter where he said, basically, uh, if your quarterback gets hurt, you go play golf. I think that's the attitude throughout the league in a lot of cases. Um, I remember when Derek Carr got hurt and the Raiders lost their first playoff game. Somebody asked Jack Del Rio, what lesson you learned last year? And he said, don't, get, don't let your quarterback get hurt. And I think that is sort of a defeatist attitude that is all across the league. Every, everybody thinks like that. But the fact that the Bengals have been able to scheme up wins, still accentuate their 
talented wide receivers. Um, that's been very, very impressive to me. Um, but it's not lost to me right now that three teams with the five, six, and seven seed are backup quarterbacks. If the Bills get in there, that is a nightmare for a team like the Dolphins. That is a nightmare for a team like the Jaguars um, if the seeding works out. Um, I think the Chiefs would probably beat them, even though we saw we saw uh, head-to-head what that looked like uh, last week and, and the, the unfortunate Kadarius-Tony situation. Um, but who's got my eye right now is the only team that I think could go on an actual run from those seeds, and that's Buffalo. Um, Cleveland, to me, is a season-ruining type of team because their defense can can ruin your afternoon. And they have guys who can get out of the get after the quarterback, make their life a living hell, and end your season. The situation right now is that they don't have consistent quarterback play. And I'm, I'll, I'll reserve the right to, to call Joe Flacco consistent if I see more of him. Um, but right now what they've got is a defense that can ruin your season, an offense that can win one playoff game. They max out at one game. If I had to power rank it, I'm scared of the Bills first. I'm scared of the Browns second. All right. Before we go to break, I need to talk about karma because I cannot think of a better example of bad karma catching up with you than the Texans outlasting the Titans, the Tennessee Titans, who were rocking their Houston Oilers throwbacks on Sunday against the Houston Texans. What did you think of this, Kevin? And please tell me you were as happy as I was to see this burn them the way it should have. I've always been a little weirded out that Nashville is okay with this. Um, and mm. it doesn't just like, I, I, I love the idea that the Browns name stayed in Cleveland and there is no association whatsoever between the Ravens. I mean, obviously they got you know, Ozzie Newsome, the best GM in football. Um, a couple of the players obviously came over, but from a Jersey standpoint, from a uh, color scheme standpoint, Cleveland and Baltimore have nothing to do with each other. If I were the Titans, I would have tried to start anew and just get a whole new identity, never point out that move from somewhere else. Um, they could use the rebrand to begin with, by the way. I don't love the Titans name, but I could not believe they went with those uniforms. I thought it was a slap across the face. Uh, I hate it, and I'm I'm glad they got what they deserve. Here's the kick by Fairbanks. Yes! Good! The Texans win! Yes! Legendary! The Texans defeat the former Oilers. Put those uniforms back in the trunk. I want to stick with this for a second. This is, to me, unconscionable. Like, I don't understand yeah. how the league is allowing this. The Titans have an identity. Frank Wycheck, the late great, just passed. We revisited yep. their glory years in memoriam. How they're screwing around with this, to me, seems unbecoming of a league that at least tries to act like teams respect each other. I am genuinely, genuinely feel that this is bizarre and inappropriate. I, I am. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. You look at the A's situation right now, right? If Oakland gets another team in 15 years and Vegas finds a way to with their uniforms taunt the new Oakland team that to me is completely out of bounds I think it's maybe the wounds are not as deep because Houston only went a few years without a team um, it was maybe a little less traumatic but still I just would not do that to a city which you already did the worst thing you can do which is rip out their team and move it somewhere else coming up we look ahead to a battle in the Pacific Northwest on Monday Night Football. Shh. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to, say, 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, Kevin, with the Cowboys losing badly in Buffalo, the race for the NFC East is open. They got the Eagles who faced the Seahawks tonight on Monday Night Football, but Jalen Hurts was downgraded to questionable with an illness. He did travel to Seattle alone to avoid infecting anyone else on the team. What are you thinking ahead of this game? I'm thinking that I'm not ruling out Jalen Hurts playing, but flying in your own private jet because you're so sick, you don't want to get anybody else sick, is not normally a great sign when you're going across the country. This Eagles team needs some positive momentum. And right now, the Eagles, I mentioned those ingredients, they're not rushing the passer effectively, even though they have the talent to do it. Against San Francisco, their linebackers and their safeties looked wildly out of their depth. And going into these playoffs, and I would put Dallas in the same bucket here, these teams in the NFC do not look equipped to stop the 49ers. And they need to show at some point they're capable of that. That means stopping the run. That means stopping um, some of these horizontal plays. Um, tackling, just tackling well, which is something the Eagles really struggled against a couple of weeks ago. So even though Seattle has become less relevant to the playoff race over the past couple of weeks, this is a bit of a prove-it game to me. I want to see them show they have the personnel. Even if Marcus Mariota is the quarterback, I'd like to see a win out of the Eagles and just some positive momentum because it seems to be trending in the wrong direction. And so I just want to see the best version of the Eagles I can possibly see. And I kind of name what that is, but let's just, let's just see the ingredients here. Sure. They've been in a tailspin. The 49ers banged them out, as you said, at home. They lost to the Cowboys in Dallas, blown out. But then news came out that they quietly replaced their defensive coordinator, our friend Matt Patricia, who's apparently taken over those responsibilities. How worrying is it for there to be this much upheaval this late in the season? So there's two worrying layers here. 
The first layer is that on December 17th, it's announced they have a new defensive coordinator. That is absolutely panic-inducing, worry. You should have a, a, a sinking feeling in your stomach if you're an Eagles fan, right? That's that's number one. Number two worrying layer is it's Matt Patricia. Like, he's bad. <laughs> He's bad. And so, like, not only is it a new defensive coordinator, but it's the guy who was a complete flop as a head coach who nobody liked, nobody liked in Detroit, um, got flushed out of there very quickly. He struggled mightily for long stretches under Bill Belichick. Um, so I do not think he's the savior here. If anything, it's maybe there were some communication issues, whatever whatever that might be. And maybe you just wanted a guy who has a lot of experience sort of clean things up. I don't know. The report did not go into why that was made. I just know I don't want Matt Patricia coordinating my defense. It, it was a team I cared about. Um, this, is, this is the kind of thing that if you're an Eagles fan, you should be very, very nervous about what happens next. I do not know Matt Patricia. I only call him a friend because he is a member of the Pencil Pusher Society, which I am, of course... A very deuce-paying member of. Like that. <laughs> By the way, for the Seahawks, this is kind of a must-win game. They're on the outside looking in as of right now. Geno Smith, him starting is a game-time decision. How do you think Seattle can make some noise out there tonight? Wow. Um, it's been rough lately, and they've struggled in a lot of different ways. The Jamal Adams thing has unraveled really quickly. They just didn't have the horses to stay with San Francisco. Um, it just wasn't working there. They did not look good against Dallas. I, I know this is going to be the most reductive thing. It's probably the stupidest thing ever said on this podcast, but they just need to play better, like in every single facet. Um, they've just been in an absolute tailspin. I don't think that Pete Carroll should be fired. I don't think it's gotten stale there. I, I think that just some of their talent has really not played up to its potential. I think that, and I think that the most worrying thing to me about the Seahawks is you can't really point to one or two things about what's gone wrong here. It's basically been an entire roster fail. And so, again, I, I, it's almost like the Eagles in a different different bucket because obviously they're a completely different franchise and a completely different place, but like they're just doing some worrying things and I need to show evidence that they are not the team we've seen the last couple of weeks. We've got... Just about 15 weeks in the books in the NFL. Christmas and New Year are around the corner. Do you have any holiday wish lists from the league? And do you have any NFL, let's just say, resolutions for 2024? Yeah, well, the, the wish list is the easiest thing in the world. No more quarterback injuries. When Brock Purdy left the game on Sunday and went to the medical tent, I about had a heart attack. Right at the first down marker and a flag is down in the backfield as Purdy is down as well. Personal Dennis Gardak. Roughing a passer and a defense from the 45. That's a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. Dennis Gardak roughing the passer, and he was close to Purdy. Not because I care about the Niners in any special way, but because I just cannot watch more backup quarterbacks. I don't want to see Sam Darnold as the one seed in the playoffs. And everywhere we look, that we're, we're trending towards that. It breaks my heart from a football standpoint that the Bengals in the year that they're basically their last dance, because you think about the, the free agents on that team, one or both of the assistant coaches will go at some point. Um, Joe Burrow is in his last cheap year. Like you think about how special this year could have been and it got ruined by a calf injury and, the, and then the broken hand or the ligament a couple of weeks ago. This season has been undone by injuries and injuries we've forgotten about. I mean, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, if he's on that roster right now, that's a completely different season. And when they started to get hot, 
they could have gotten even hotter. Justin Herbert, obviously, with the Chargers. That whole thing is derailed, got the coach fired, all that stuff. I just cannot. I mean, we're talking about Monday night. Both quarterbacks are in doubt. No more quarterback injuries. If there's a, a football Santa, that's what I'm asking. Thoughts we're going to wish for another win on Around the Horn. Thanks, Kevin. I, I don't need to wish for that, buddy. <laughs> nice. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.